0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people find the real life they were created for. Last time we heard a message called the power of unity. and Today Pastor Sean follows that up with the secret to unity. And we hope this is a secret that you don't keep. And tell everyone to listen to this program as River City Community Church is here to serve you. Your website is reallife.org, where you can follow along to the notes to this message. Just click on the sermon archive link. But grab a Bible and get ready to receive the word. And this is Real Life Radio.
0: If you have your Bibles, open to the book of Philippians. We're going to continue this series called Under Construction, because we recognize that God is doing a work in us. We are not just, it's not about us kind of learning this new system and these rules and trying to do our best to be a good Christian but that the the scripture says to us that he who began a good work in us will be able to bring it to completion in his power. We are, as followers of Jesus Christ, when we become his, our sins are forgiven, our life is made new, and the greatest gift is his presence in us. We are saved by grace, but then we are sustained and built and transformed by grace. What a wonderful, wonderful gift. And so in that way, we are all under construction. And last week, we kind of wrapped up uh, chapter one, and we saw the church is at its best when the church is one. Remember what Paul had, had prayed for them, that they would stand firm together without fear. And we saw some of the benefits of unity, okay? We looked at unity and how it impacts us, and what a great gift it is to the church as we walk together in unity. Well, This week, I think Paul's going to give us, reveal to us, the secret of living in that unity. And that's very, very important for us. because And understand, this is great in the context of church. It's very practical, very important. But it's also, I think, the secret to unity in your family. I think Paul's going to give us a secret to unity in business. What we're going to talk about today can affect how your company and the people you work with interact. In your neighborhood, everywhere that we go, this principle, I believe can radically transform the unity that we experience today or the lack of this the disunity so i'm going to begin reading in chapter two beginning at verse one i'll recover some ground that we looked at last week but it'll lead us to where we're going if you have any encouragement from being united with christ if any comfort from his love if any fellowship of the spirit if any tenderness and compassion understand please these are rhetorical statements that paul's making You could translate this since you have, because Paul has said in his other epistles, he says throughout this, there is, of course, encouragement from being united with Christ. There is comfort from his love, fellowship of the spirit, tenderness and compassion. The way we should read this is he's, he's implying, yes, since you have experienced these things in verse two, he says, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose be unified with a bond that is so far beyond anything else one in spirit one in purpose like-minded and verse three now he goes on and unpacks this a little bit what this looks like he says okay do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but in humility key word there consider others better than yourselves how is that possible because they're not better I mean, as I look around, I'm better than most, right? You're looking back at me. No, no, Sean, you're definitely not. Yeah, don't worry about me for a second. How about you? You're better than most, right? It's real easy to get in that mindset. Well, how is it possible for me to, in humility, consider others better than myself? Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that's one of those things. Think of others as better. Well, you know, it's like when someone says to you, you always think you're right. You ever have someone say that? I I have people tell me that. Okay. You always think you're right. And I'm like, of course, (laughs) if I thought I was wrong, I'd change. I'm not walking around going, no, I know I'm wrong on this, but I'm going to stick with it. It's working for me. I'm wrong, but I'm going with it. No, if I knew I was wrong, I would change. I mean, right. Doesn't that make sense? We all think we're right. That's why we're doing what we're doing. How is it possible for me to think of others better than myself? It has to change. I have to begin to change in the way I see myself, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But what about this idea of putting the interest, look out, not, not only to your own interest, but also the interest of others. I have this thing built in me called a survival instinct. And so do you. And we have been taught in culture And by conditioning and by our carnal nature that at times my survival and my self-interest requires that I push you and your self-interest out of the way. Paul is saying to us here, he's, he's challenging us to act in a way that is at times unnatural to our carnal nature. And the culture that raised us and the way we were, and I don't mean taught to appear, how we really are. Verse 5, your attitude. Now, by the way, this, this passage of Scripture is one of the premier, and you're like, okay, you're talking about the authoritative Scripture. All right, well, I understand that. This passage is one of the most significant, beautiful, powerful passages in all of Paul's epistles, and all of the New Testament, probably all of Scripture, as he unfolds the secret to living in this different kind of unity. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Which we understand, you know, our mission is to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. Well, that's what disciples are. People who are becoming like Jesus. We are following Jesus. We are learning the ways of Jesus. We are filled with Jesus. And so by his power and his grace, we are becoming more like Jesus. The King James says this phrase, which we kind of throw around a lot. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the mind of Christ. This idea that there is a way to think there is a way to approach life and approach other people that is totally different because it is the way Jesus approached and it's what we call discipleship becoming like jesus your attitude should be the same as that of christ jesus who being in very nature god did not consider equality with god something to be grasped that's huge what paul is saying about christ but he he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness that phrase but made himself nothing in verse 7 uh, the new american standard translates pretty literally from the greek the word kenosis he emptied himself this passage is sometimes called the kenosis because it talks about the emptying of christ and theologians have argued about what does that mean because this passage makes something very clear who being in very nature God, this is a foundational understanding to the Christian faith. Now, you remember last uh, last week or the week before, I don't remember when it was, but we talked about certain doctrinal issues that, that probably don't need to divide us, but do. And we talked about how that's a tragedy and we, we don't need to be divided by certain doctrinal things. We can agree to disagree. This isn't one of them. This is one that honestly, it is, a, it is fundamental to our understanding of the Christian faith. Outside of this understanding, you don't understand Christianity. You're outside of that understanding and outside of that family, if you will, because this idea that Jesus was in very nature, God, John said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now what's, what's great is anybody, whenever you interpret scripture, you have to look at it through the lens of the listeners. You have to understand the truth as they would have understand it before you can understand the truth as we should understand it. So John's listeners this audience that had all kinds of Hebrew influence and rabbinical background, when he said in the beginning the word, it would have immediately made them think of one of the most discussed and battered around passages of scripture in all the scripture, Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that puzzling phrase, that puzzling name or label for God, Elohim, which is, which is, which is plural. In the beginning, God. But, but, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And so the rabbis would debate and they would wonder, what is, what is God trying to say? And then John explodes onto the scene with this declaration. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And then in verse 14 he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This radical idea god himself becoming flesh and there are those who argue jesus himself never claimed to be god i am sorry they're wrong if again you have to look at the, the scripture through the lens of the people hearing it when jesus made the statement and they wanted to stone him for it when he made the statement before abraham was i am them's fighting words in hebrew
1: And you are listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church. And let's take a short break in this message called The Secret to Unity with this study in the book of Philippians. And you can find this message at reallife.org under the sermon's archive link, plus see all the upcoming events happening at River City Community Church. Again, all the information is at reallife.org.
0: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: Welcome back, and we return to Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church as the Pharisees were ready to stone Jesus for his I Am statement. And this is Real Life Radio.
0: You have to understand, if you remember what Moses saying at the burning bush, well, you want me to go? You want to go to Pharaoh? Oh, boy, this is a drag. Who shall I sense, say sent me? Who are you? I am that I am. You say that just to a crowd here and you're like, well, that's just bad grammar. We don't understand it. But when you say before Abraham was, I am to a group of Pharisees and Sadducees and Jewish listeners, then you say before Abraham was, I am, well, you find they started wanting to pick up stones and throw them at him till he was dead. They ultimately did kill him. What was the charge? Remember the charge? Blasphemy. Jesus stated quite plainly. Who he was. And Paul here is revealing to us. Jesus, have this mind. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, this dual nature. And and that phrase is important, and we'll look at it a little bit more uh, a little bit later. Very nature God, but taking the nature of a servant, this dual nature of Jesus, fully God, fully man. This kenosis is emptying himself. And theologians argue over, well, how much did he empty himself up? Because he still was able to, at times, discern what people were thinking. He still did miracles. But also, we saw limitations. He emptied himself. How much? And, you know, we're not going to solve that. We're not going to give you a definitive kind of metaphysical manual for the kenosis this morning. Okay? What we do know, Paul is saying very clearly, is Jesus, who is fully God, laid down the privilege, privileges that came with that. And he became fully God and fully man, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We love that passage because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the power and the grace of Jesus. His presence. His name. We love the omnis, right? Omnipresent. Omniscient. All-powerful. Omnipotent. We love those. That's the God we like. But what, we're, what we have to remember is we serve the God who laid all that down. You see, Paul displays. He's talking about unity, and he's now kind of leading us into discussion. Okay, how do we do this? And he lays on our lap the incredible hum- humility of our God. And I have to tell you, folks, as I've studied the Scripture, that is one of the most shocking. And, you know, if you really, if you really got into almost scandalous ideas about God, his incredible humility. I mean, really, think about the humility of God. He creates the whole world, speaks it into existence, everything from nothing. And how much of the Bible do we dedicate to it? Two chapters. It gives 12 chapters to the life of Abraham. We have a humble God. I'm sorry if you or I had like, created everything by just speaking it. I probably would have expounded a little more. Oh, and here's the cool part. Let me say it. I, just, I said it in a certain way, and then look, there's an antelope. and It was awesome. <laughs> I mean, really, there's this, there's this incredible humility in God when inspiring the Scriptures. He, he, the important idea is God created everything. That's it. He spoke it. into. He deli- it's not a science textbook. People who try to make the Bible a science textbook are barking up the wrong tree. God was deliberately vague when he said he spoke it and it happened. 12 chapters on the life of Abraham. And God's like, oh, yeah, no, no, I created everything and that. It's awesome and you need to know that. But let me introduce you, my friend Abraham. Let me tell you about Abraham. And 12 chapters of Abraham. What's, what's God's priority in the scripture? Telling us about his plan to redeem mankind and to walk with mankind and how that all began, at least with a people, with Abraham. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus. Jesus being held up as this shining example of humility. There's power in humility. We like to say around here that there's no situation that can't be made better by greater humility. Think about that for a minute. Think of how many problems are caused by pride. This could get a little ugly this morning. I just want to say up front. And just know, as hard as it is to sit and listen to it, it's way harder to say it, like with your whole family in the room. So, you know, it just, we'll suffer together, okay? How many problems could be made better by humility? How many problems were made worse by pride? I'll bet we could all name issues. We got a problem, and then we respond in pride. We puff up in pride, and now we just made the problem worse. And we made the division greater, the barrier wider, all the things and in this every area in my marriage. I can think of situations when I responded in humility and it made the problem better. I can think of situations where I responded in pride and I won't tell you which, are, which number is greater. <laughs> you worry about your marriage right now, okay? <laughs> I can tell you at times when I responded in pride and I ju- all I did was make the situation worse. All I did was make the road harder. Make the, make the ground a little harder, make the journey a little farther, I set myself back on my goal of having a great marriage, parenting with my kids. When I parent with humility in my leadership, things are better. Relationships are better. When I parent with pride, all I do is make the problems bigger. All I do is make the divisions greater. Paul is showing us the humility of our incredible Jesus as the secret to living in unity. As a church, but also in business, at home, school, with my neighbors, it's the people I run into all the time. It saddens me how many times I will walk away from an encounter where I acted or I responded. Maybe someone did something wrong. It doesn't matter. I acted or responded in pride, and I walk away, and the spirit who's always there and is ruthless about this kind of thing, you know him, immediately says, you know what, you shouldn't have responded that way. And I know he's right, and I know things aren't any better. In fact, they're worse now. And I know now I have another. I had one problem before. Now I have two to fix. Good news, humility will help both of them. Here's what Paul is saying real plainly. The secret to unity, secret to the unity of the body is the humility of Jesus. The secret to the unity of the body is the humility of Jesus. He gives us what I like about this passage so much, aside from the fact that it is just this incredible, this, this incredible description of Christ. Some, some commentators and scholars think that this may have been an ancient hymn that Paul actually is quoting. It, it, about Jesus that, that, had been, that had developed at the time and was known at the time, and he now brings it in. And by the way, whether he did or didn't, and, and people disagree whether this Paul just came up with these, these phrases or he's bringing other phrases in, the minute he does it, it becomes authoritative scripture. The minute he writes it down in this passage under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's okay for him to quote, and it now becomes God's word to us. Some believe that it's this this ancient hymn. Whether Paul was the first one to pen these phrases or whether they were experienced before him, Paul said, yes, this is it. This is what I'm trying to say to you. He makes four very clear expressions of the humility of Jesus that we can incorporate in our lives clear to us. And honestly, there are issues that you and I are facing today that will be made better if we will incorporate these four expressions of the humility of jesus into our lives here's four recommendations number one adopt an accurate view of self adopt an accurate view of self the first thing we're told of jesus is in verse six is who being in very nature god did not consider equality with god something to be grasped he wasn't insecure he was god and he knew it and he didn't have to grasp for it there's a very cool parallel uh, between this passage in Philippians and John 13, uh, 3 through 5. In John 13, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. You Remember in the upper room? Listen to what we read right before that. In verse 3, John 13, beginning at 3, says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. That's pretty good, right? He knew who he was, had a good self-image, because of who he was in Father's eyes, he knew Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So what does he do? He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Where do you get the towel? Well, there would have been a towel in any household, because it was a common task. People walked, people wore sandals, they lived in a desert, and arid place. It was a normal household function for a servant. It was for the like lowest servant, the newbie. Okay, you're going to wash feet today. That's what you do. And Jesus, there were no servants present, only he and his disciples. And nobody had thought to take care of that. Jesus, knowing that Father had given him all power, all authority, knowing that he was, had come from Father and was soon going to return, puts on the towel and he begins to wash their feet. Jesus knew who he was and it was, I believe, at the core of his unbelievable humility, which Paul is telling us that we should adopt the mind, the attitude of Christ. He was totally secure. He knew who he was, and he didn't need to grasp for that position. Paul gives us some very specific instruction about this in Romans 12, beginning at verse 1. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? Where does the renewing of my mind start? Paul tells us in verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And then look where he goes with this talks about this, this honest assessment of who we are in, in Christ. And then verse 4, he says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. Each member belongs to all the other." He wraps up with unity. And then he goes into a discussion about using those gifts and being part of the body. The connection between how we view ourselves and our unity together is Huge, and we begin by understanding who we are in God's
1: eye. And next time we'll hear the conclusion to this message called The Secret to Unity. As you've been listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.
0: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.